Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Real Talk with Real Leaders. And I have with me today, Dr. Keith Johnson. He is a confidence coach. He teaches at many uh, seminars and he's out there. He has this great material, books like Confidence and Living Wealthy and some other material we'll be talking about today. It's been so blessed to be his friend and to see what God is doing. And he's just been out there uh, recently just really getting this good content and maybe we'll be discussing a little bit of that today i thought it would be important for him to give us some real talk for this session how are you doing dr keith hey i'm doing great man so great to see you it's great to see you as well and uh just as we get started here um i i want to say that you are the guy who took the time to school me in the art of eating sushi <laughs> so I can, I, I remember that yes. moment. We, we sp spent some time there in, in Florida. I think we tried to do something here. It didn't work out. Uh, we, we did the hibachi style, but right. then we got to Florida. And then you started to like, I said, you know what, just kind of teach me, show me, take me out of my comfort zone. And, uh, right. and so you started teaching. So what's uh, your appetizing technique for those people who might want, to give it a shot, but don't even know how to start. People like me, I know we're not in the restaurant right now, but what, what's your technique? How do you go about doing that where you just like, cause you made it appetizing. So that's wow. what I want to find out. Like, how can you help other people? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you for having me on. That's a funny question, but yeah, uh, I, I pride myself. People don't know. A lot of people know me as America's number one confidence coach around the world. But most people don't know, I am the number one chopstick teacher in the world. Hey, I can train somebody to use chopsticks faster than anybody I know. Even Asians agree with me. <laughs> and so the first step, step number one, well, you gotta have a sushi, one. man, you got to eat it with chopsticks, man. You can't, no, you can't be using a fork to eat chopsticks. So that's like sign number one, you are an amateur. So I taught you, remember? I, yeah. I, I pride myself, I can teach you in about 30 seconds yeah. how, how, to, how to use it and you were able to use it. So kudos to you, buddy. You, you mastered the art of chopsticks pretty fast. Well, you put it together too. You had a little wasabi, you had a little soy yeah. sauce. <laughs> yeah, put yeah. something together so I didn't even taste, <laughs> well, I taste a, a hint of the the fish or whatever. Oh, the raw fish, yeah. But it was everything else that you put with it. Yeah, you gotta make, you gotta, then, then once you know how to operate the chopstick, step number two, you gotta know how to mix it together. So you gotta, you, you know, you gotta make sure you have a little bit of spicy. I, I like a little bit of uh, spicy mayonnaise is what, it, is what it really is. And then a little bit of ginger, you put one little piece of ginger on top, little spicy mayonnaise. And then you just take that and you dip it in your, your soy sauce and, and you don't, don't make this mistake. Cause this is like amateur, this is amateur point number two. Don't take the sushi and eat half of it. Try to say, Oh, I can't get all of this in my mouth. No, that is not the way you experience. Ex sushi is an experience. Mm. You take the whole thing. Cause you got to get the full flavors of the fish, of the spices, of the, you know, whatever's inside of that, you got to experience it. <laughs> so you eat the whole thing. So don't be an amateur, you know, learn, learn how to eat sushi right. And, and uh, if, if you don't know what you're doing, just put it all in your mouth. It's perfectly acceptable to, for your lips to be puffing out while you're eating sushi together. That that's okay. That's not okay. If you try to eat half of it, that's uncool, man. Wow, I believe there's some kind of lesson or preaching there that you <laughs> don't go halfway. You go oh. halfway, you end up having half the experience and half the experience is like better lot, better you don't have none of the experience. Ooh. This is good stuff. Well, Hammer time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember that hot mustard. That hot mustard was like, that kick right there was, was nice. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, yeah. let's I get off of the sushi. Okay. And what I want to do is I want to move into something that you have been so dynamic and prolific in. And that is just really helping people, not only in their confidence, but just having a kingdom prosperity mindset. 
before mm-hmm. we get into like the nitty gritty of all that, um, I think it'd be great for you to just uh, share with us um, some of your background or your history briefly. Uh, did you come from the upper crust of society? That's why you're able to kind of give this advice from that place that you always had. Um, give us a little bit of your background so we can kind of appreciate some of the insight of what you're sharing with us. Oh man, I uh, no, I definitely was not uh, brought up like Donald Trump was. <laughs> I, I was brought up with uh, my parents were alcoholics and drug addicts. Uh, my father was a member of Satan's Escorts, which is a motorcycle Harley Davidson club. And my parents lived to party. That's that's all they did. So we we grew up in poverty. I mean, even though they made money, uh, you know, poverty is not proof of lack of money. It's a proof of misdirected money. And so my parents spent all their money on alcohol and drugs and we never had any food in the house. I mean, we, I was brought up, you know, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the winter times, we would have the electric shut off. I remember having to wrap ourselves in sleeping bags, you know, and uh, I, my whole life is kind of interesting. I, I never missed school. I never missed a day of school from the first grade to the 12th grade because I look forward to going to school because at least I could get a meal uh, there at lunchtime from the school. And so that was the lifestyle I was brought up in, um, real, real poverty. But I lived in a neighborhood uh, with around that, you know, the, my surroundings, we had, uh, what was, what happened is, is that a lot of the really wealthy people started to move out to the north. And so a lot of the, you know, most successful people in our city were actually coming to our area. So I was brought up with around a lot of very wealthy uh, kids. And I'll never forget one day I went to one of my friend's house and his dad was one of the prominent doctors in the area. He had a huge, I mean, had this huge house and, um, and his dad had Mercedes and BMWs in the garage. You go into his kitchen, you opened up his, his refrigerator, they had food stacked from top to bottom, you know, they had the big pantry with all the Cokes and everything you could imagine. He had a big playroom, big basement down in the bottom with Pac-Man. I, you, I don't know if you know Pac-Man or not. He had the Pac-Man, he had pool tables, he had everything. And I remember leaving that house one day and uh, I was riding my bicycle back home and I looked back at that house and I made a decision that changed my life. I look back and I said, that's the lifestyle I wanna live. That's what I want someday in my life. And really moving out of poverty and middle class starts with a decision. The difference between the rich and the poor, the rich made a decision to go there and the poor have never made that decision. So that was a decision that kind of, that really shaped my life. But uh, the second thing I teach people is not only do you have to make a decision to go there, the second thing is uh, you gotta come to a place in your life where you know you deserve it. So you have to decide, number two, you gotta know that you deserve it. Took me a lot of years to come to the place where I discovered that I do deserve to live a wealthy lifestyle while I'm here on earth. And, I, and for me, when I started to dig into God's word, I started to uh, get affirmed that I do deserve it. God's word will affirm that you do deserve to live a wealthy lifestyle here on earth. That was a game changer for me. Yeah, I, I can see how that's a mind shift that you have to experience in order to really begin to attempt and take the risk and make the moves to get to that place where you're actually doing the things that need to be done. Kind of reminds me of rich dad, poor dad a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, 
that wasn't like your rich dad, but you saw a rich dad and you were able to kind of conclude that these are some of the things that, you know, that you can aspire to, that you can go for. And it's, it's great to have those experiences as a way to challenge your own experience where some people might not have those experiences. So they don't even know how to dream like that. But you're one of those people that are helping uh, people for years to have that kingdom prosperity mindset where they can begin to believe that they deserve it and that God has that for them. So from, from you do this from the basics to the more uh, advanced information, but what are some of the dangers that people face that don't have down the basics, especially when we're in economic turbulent times such as this, yeah, what, what, what happens to them when you don't have down the basics and now we're in this, you know, what, what do you see that's taking place with people's um, economic situations? Well, that's, that's a great question. And I, I'm going to answer that. I, I want to say, I want to make a conclusion on what you just said uh, mm -hmm. about what I experienced as a child. Some people never experienced. One of the nuggets I think we all need to grab onto is exposure is transformational. Exposure is transformational. And that's why I encourage people, you, you need to get outside of your comfort zone and be exposed to the next level. See, because you can't want for anything you don't even know is available. And so that exposure itself transform my life. I didn't even know people lived like that. I thought everybody's refrigerator had no food in it and only beer in it until I went to that house and discovered there is another way of life. And that's what, that's what we've got to grasp. We don't have to stay where we are. And to answer your question, uh, one of the things I think that we got to look at is that this crisis that we're facing is a huge wake-up call. And I, I wrote a book called What You Call a Crisis, God Calls a Classroom. <laughs> and on my journey, uh, I, I went through some stuff. I, yes, I, I had this desire to live a lifestyle that was, was a wealthy lifestyle. Uh, but my path to getting there, well, you know, was more, it was, you know, somebody says, I went from rags to riches, not me. I went from rags to riches to rags to riches. <laughs> I was, I was on a merry-go-round, man. And, 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 uh, and uh, I remember when my wife and I lost everything in 2002, we had to sell our house, had to move into my mother-in-law's 12 by 12 bedroom. I say that's, that's, that's like hell on earth, right? living a mother-in-law who doesn't like you. And, <laughs> and, and, and in that crisis, you know, uh, I learned a whole lot. I really did. And uh, what I want to encourage everybody who's facing crisis right now is, is that, uh, you know, you're going to be different after this crisis. The crisis is going to change you. It's either going to change you for the good or it's going to change you for the bad. Either you're going to allow this, a cri this crisis to teach you something, right? And one of the things about crisis is it humbles the ego. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, the ego says, I know everything. And, and here's what I learned. The, the bigger the ego a person has, the smaller the bank account. Uh, when I was in my mother-in-law's house, I realized I had a big ego but I had small bank accounts. <laughs> but when the crisis came, Pastor, that, that's when the wake-up call came. And I said, wow, you know what? I, I need to change how I think about money. I need to change how I think about finances. Because in that stage of my life, I'm just going to tell you where I was at. I was, I thought all I needed was more of God. I just need more of God. I, I was in like, I just need to experience God more. I just, you know, and it was all like this atmosphere of revival. And then that, man, I just got to get to another revival service and, and go soak in the presence of God. <laughs> and, 
And, and that was, that was my mentality. And so here I was soaking in the presence of God and going bankrupt because I had wrong belief systems. I had the presence of God, but I didn't have the prosperity of God. And, and that's what I see a lot of people in the church. And, and one of the things I think God's trying to wake us up on in, in this area is that Jesus Christ came to redeem us spiritually, but also the message of the gospel is also a message of economic empowerment. He said in, in Luke 4, 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, okay? The spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to what? To the poor. So, so there's, a, there's an anointing that, um, that we have to realize is, is uh, an anointing for us to get wealth. And that's why Deuteronomy 8.18 says, I give you power to get wealth, to create wealth, to establish my covenant that I swore to Abraham. This is all about what God promised Abraham because God promised Abraham through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so, and so through Jesus, we have that same covenant that God made to Abraham and that covenant God made to Abraham caused Abraham to be very, very, very wealthy. Mm -hmm. And so we have that, we have that same thing through Christ, but, but sadly, pastor, we've the America, the Christianity, I'll say Christianity globally, what we don't realize is that we bought into a lie and we, we started to believe like Greeks instead of believe like Hebrews. Yeah, explain that a little bit for people who well, might not understand that. Well, it, 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 uh, there was a belief, the Greeks, that they got it from the, um, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, slipped my mind. But anyways, it's the, the Greeks bought into a philosophy that anything that's spiritual is good, right? Anything that's material is evil, right? right? So when Christianity went to Rome, then you had a mixture, right? You had the mixture of Greeks, and and then you had a you, the mixture of Christi Christianity, and so what happened was is that Christianity became secularized to be to be acceptable. So they grabbed on to some of their beliefs. They Christian beliefs, you know, kind of got interwoven together, right? Right. And so that's that's the era when they received the Greek theology, not the Hebrew theology. The Greek theology was, oh, hey, man, if you really want to get to know God, you you don't want to have you don't want to experience any pleasure in the earth. Right. Everything, everything here of the world was secular. Not everything secular. here was like um, carnal or whatever. The highest the highest thing that you can ascend to would be spiritual. That means you have to strip yourself off of everything material. Right. And that's not so the that, case for the kingdom, right? No. So, yeah. So now you have monks going into monasteries and you know, getting alone with God and separating themselves from everything that's materialistic. That's where you get the whole thing. Man, I can't even have sex. I mean, go ahead. Bless their hearts. <laughs> and you, all of that kind of philosophy. And then, of course, we know the Catholic, you know, religion spread all over the world and that belief spread all over the world. And then, the, and then, you know, then the Protestants broke off from the Catholics, but the belief system, the belief system never broke off. Right. And, and so uh, what we end up with, right, we end up with a Christianity that's broke. Mm. Okay. But then the Jews... They have a Hebrew theology, which is based on the fact that God said, what? In Genesis, he said, everything that I created, God looked at everything he created, including the gold in the Garden of Eden, and he said, it is good. Everything I created is good. So in the Hebrew mind, everything that's spiritual is good. Everything in the material world is good. Now there are there's evil going on. They don't they don't ever deny that, but they but they don't have a separation mm. between the two. So when a Jew goes to work, 
he is going to church. <laughs> yeah. When when the Jew makes a sale and makes profit off that sale, the 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 Jew is doing something spiritual because in the Jew's mind it, they want they know that we need to help people and serve other people. So selling people a book, selling people some i iPad, i uh, not iPads. Yeah, yeah. Earbuds, earpods, yeah. Then you need these earbuds, and so if you give me money for those, I'm helping you make your life better. I'm serving humanity, and so they feel like oh, they feel God's presence and God's anointing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they make a sale and make money, right? Yeah, but it, it does sound like when you were talking about some of the basics is the humility factor, because when ego gets in the way, it it gets you to the place where you're not teachable. And so it sounds like some of the basics is getting just to the place where you're humble enough to be taught, to learn, to see something differently. And at mm -hmm. that place, then you can begin to see things that you don't see when pride blinds you. And mm -hmm. now you can be taught things and absorb things that pride keeps you from absorbing. And it sounded like you got to that place uh, especially on the, the, the second half where you, where you had riches and then you went back to ra uh, rags. Rags, yeah. And then you were like, wait a second, what, why wasn't I able to contain that and hold that? And that's the journey that God took you on to say, humble you, to teach you things that would last a lot longer than maybe when you first went from rags to riches. Right. That's a, that's a pretty neat story. And so, so some of the basics I, I'm, I'm getting from that is that is the humility factor. Now, what are the people who are economically stable in these times? Um, what are they most likely doing? Uh, maybe you know some people or like even yourself. And like there, there seems to be common denominators with what people are doing in times of crisis that set, set them apart from people who are economically unstable during times of crisis. So what are the maybe rich or the prosperous doing during these times that we can learn from? A great question once again. Here's what I've been saying a lot to a lot of different leaders. Uh, this crisis is going to create millions of new millionaires. Mm. Wow. And it's also gonna create, and notice I said new, going to create millions of new, brand new millionaires. And it's going to create millions of people in bankruptcy. So the question that I have for everybody listening is which side of the ledger do you want to be on? And, if, and in crisis times, tough economic times, there's three way, different ways people think depending upon the class that you're in. If you're the poor right now, you're looking for government handouts. You're waiting for your stimulus check, and that is your salvation. And then you're complaining because you want more. That's the, that's the mentality of the poor. Government, take care of me. <clears throat> the mentality of the middle class is, man, I got to shrink back. Man, I got to cut back everything. Man, I'm not going to go to Starbucks, man. I'm not going to go to the movies, man. I'm going to start packing a lunch every day <laughs> and, and uh, basically live a life that stinks. Right. I mean, I mean, dear God, if we could go to Starbucks, where would we be, man? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, but, but then the mentality of the wealthy in tough economic times, the way the wealthier thinking is this, I'm not going to cut back. I'm not going to trade in my Rolls Royce. I'm not trading in my Lamborghini. I like my Lamborghini. I'm not selling one of my five homes. No, I like all my five homes. I, I want to be there. The wealthy are thinking, how can I, in this time, take advantage of this crisis? Because in every crisis is an opportunity, right? So they're thinking, how can I start a business that can help solve some sort of problem or meet some sort of need in this situation so that I don't have to change my lifestyle. I like my lifestyle. 
So the, the, the wealthy are, that's how they're thinking during, during the crisis time. So you kind of got to identify where you're at. And, and for most people who are living paycheck to paycheck, their minds aren't there. They're, you, you right now, you're just thinking, man, I hope I get my unemployment, man. I hope, you know, and that is, that is a wrong belief system that you need to be having right now. You need to be thinking, uh, what kind of business do I need to start? What kind, what, what, how can I leverage the situation where I could actually generate income? No, that's good. I mean, that really encourages me because that's sort of the mindset. That's, well, that is the mindset that I had. And I've been encouraging people to consider uh, in these times where uh, people, it's, um, they experience uh, the fright or flight type of thing. They, they end up taking off and hiding or hoarding all those other things that are sort of the default and the reaction that, you know, has really contributed to the situation where they find themselves in currently. But when you can have uh, a different type of response that might not be so um, intuitive, but it is, it sets you up for actually, uh, like you said, seizing and seeing opportunities that are in front of you. And that's what I did. I mean, I think for me personally, I just started looking at, hey, what kind of things can we just trim out um, just for the sake of looking at it? You know, let's just just look at it. There's there's probably some um, trim some fat on some areas. And so we did that. Oh, yeah. And then I said, oh, yeah. man, but I think it's a good time to start a business. What are some of the things that we've been dreaming about and thinking about? And how do we also prepare ourselves for that? So it's not just you know trimming and hoarding. It's like looking at those things and just stewarding finances and moments if you right. can do those finances and moments that's the way i believe uh those who are economically stable or prosperous that's how they think would you agree oh 100 that's that's exactly uh i'm um i i wanna i wanna take you to just a quick scripture because i think this is a a really good scripture for this season that we're in it's First Thessalonians 4, 11, and 12. And I, I would challenge people to read this in the, the, the Passion. Is it the Passion Translation? Yep, the Passion Translation. Yep. The Passion Translation. I'm reading it from the New King James, but here it's very interesting. It says this. It says that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, now, in our to our to our mind, because that we have that little saying, "Mind your own business," right? right. <laughs> and we think that's you know, but no. What this is a this is a Hebrew thought process. Hebrews don't think jobs; they think businesses. Hmm. All right, because you'll never get rich working for Pharaoh. Hmm. Now, now, I'm not saying you can't get rich working a job because there are people. There's a lot of millionaires in the world that have got rich working, working a, a job, but the majority, it, that, that's only a very small percentage. The majority of people who make a lot of money, they have their own business because when you own your own business, you're controlling your own destiny. When you work a job, you have no control. Hmm. If someone wants to fire you, they can fire you. You don't have control whether you get more money, you don't get more money, you get more hours, you don't get more hours. So it says here, it says that you should mind your own business and to work with your own hands. Look at that. And, oh, as we have commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Wow. So that little scripture tells us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a business, build something on your own so that you can live a lifestyle that lacks nothing. And, and, and it's very interesting so that the outside world and the passion translation says so that you can really make an impact so that you can really influence the world so that the world will look at you and look at your business and, and that you will gain influence with the world because of your wealth because of your business that you created. So good. and 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 that's why that's one of the main reasons why people are lacking. Yeah. 
is because is because they they they're stuck and it's back to what we said they're stuck in their comfort zone pastor yeah no, they're this... stuck working their little job from nine to five and, and it's comfortable and it they think it's safe until now until now you're seeing whoa wait a minute <laughs> there, there's nothing safe right now that's right and even if the crisis didn't happen at any moment if you're working for somebody else something could change right hey so in that way the crisis is a blessing because it just exposes stuff that's under the surface or gets ignored until moments like this show up so it's a great time to pay attention and not to hide now yes. i got i got this question this is i want to okay. ask this question you're gonna I'm throw a new a different one at me i can see it on your yeah. face <laughs> well, i want to talk to the author of um uh, what is it the 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 law of potential is that what it's called or the potential of 10 Oh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, potential. <laughs> the secret power of 10. The yes, secret, sir. The power of 10. So yes. this is this is for the spiritual leaders that are out there. And you were a pastor at one point as well. And, um, you know, had a blessed, awesome church and then, you know, transitioned that on. And then God called you to something else. So just uh, I think there's some pastors that might be listening to this or I'm just asking for myself just to be curious about what you're going to, uh, how you're going to answer, but should pastors in this time be asking their congregations to not do certain things and, um, and maybe to be doing other things. So for example, should pastors be asking the people to say, Hey, don't tithe, uh, don't give your offering because we know we're in a economic turbulent time and we don't want the church, you know, we don't want to appear a certain way or any of that. So should we be kind of like sparing people from that maybe you obligation just, or whatever? And you're then, not asking me this question, are you? are not asking me this question. You're not asking me this question, are you? Yes, I'm being, I'm, 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 I just wonder if people are, are thinking are, that. Are people there. really, are pastors really saying this? Well, not that I know of, but. Uh, oh. I don't, I don't think so, but I'm wondering if people are feeling like they should not be asking for certain things. Oh. <laughs> so, pe people might be saying, Hey pastor, that's wow. kind of like, why should you be asking us for this? So oh, just, okay. That, okay. Like, they could be either or. So what are you, what are you thinking? How would you? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, the first thing that goes off in my mind is Isaac uh, in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. The Bible says that Isaac sowed in the times of famine. And in the time of famine, he reaped a hundredfold. And, in, and because he sowed, the, God blessed him. God prospered him in a supernatural way in famine. And the heathen took note of it. That's, that's the cool thing of God's supernatural provision for his life. So in crisis times, that's when we need to sow more than ever before. And I know our carnal mind, which is enmity against God, our carnal mind says, oh, no, we need to, again, that's poor, middle-class thinking. I need to shrink back. I need to hold on what we got. But you see, giving is proof that you have confidence that you're going to produce more in your future. Yeah. If you won't give, you are saying, I'm a, I'm a loser. That's what you're saying to yourself. <laughs> and, and the fact that you're willing to let go tells you, I have the power to generate more. And, and so, yeah, I, that, no, that's, uh, and, and here's another thought. A season of sowing nothing is going to create another season of reaping nothing. So, so during famine times, if you aren't a giver, if you're not looking to give and to bless, you see, if you go through this time and, and do that, you're going to reap another season where you're not going to receive any harvest. So no, you got to keep sowing. You got to keep thinking like a farmer and, and the power of 10, the power of tithing, the power of giving works in good season and bad seasons. And I've done it now. I, I started before I was saved and it worked for me. And I've done it now for 30 years, 30 years. And because uh, it's, it's a personal value that I'm never compromising on. No, it doesn't good. matter what, no, it doesn't matter what happens. And, and listen, pastor, I've been made fun of I, my family. 
when I was in my mother-in-law's house, I was still tithing. And my family was making fun of me saying, you know, you, you know, you're living with your mother-in-law, ha, 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 you know, and, and they, yeah, and, and you still go to church and you give your money to that church and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and now, because you can never look at short-term, you got to look at long-term. Yeah. Now the ones that made fun of me are the ones wanting to borrow money from me. And they try to okay. bully you out of your blessing. Ooh. We got to be careful in these times to not be bullied out of our blessing. So besides yeah. pastors asking them to say, hey, you need to be sowing this time. Is there anything else that they should be cautioning them about? If not that, are there things out there they're saying, hey, guys, and maybe it's kind of like what you said already is that, you know, whether that's it's that government stimulus check or those other things that they're really looking as their way of, you know, enduring and coming out of this well, um, maybe not even just getting their hopes high on the fact that these things are coming. Yeah, they come, but I'm not banking on them and I'm not dependent on them. Like, is it that kind of thing that pastors can potentially just say, hey, just be mindful of this. Um, yeah, is there any things like that that come to mind that we should be encouraging the people not to do or to do? Well, I definitely, I definitely think that uh, as a pastor, uh, now more than ever, that we really need to drill down on the benefits of the tithe. Because one of the benefits of, of tithing is, is prosperity in the midst of famine. That, that's one of the benefits of tithing. And I think we need to go back and reemphasize to our people that, uh, you know, like for myself, I mean, you know, hey, um, my whole schedule just got canceled, right? And uh, I can't travel, I can't speak anywhere, that's what I do. I travel, I speak, I, I sell my products to people when I'm out on the road. I can't do that. So what's my, what my first thing is, I say, okay, wait a minute, I'm a tither, I'm a tither. And God's going to supernaturally take care of me. And, and it's, and it's amazing, you know, because I, now I can activate my faith. I got something to stand on, man. No, wait a minute. God's going to take care of me in this famine. And uh, it's been interesting. I mean, money, money's just been coming in. It comes in here, it comes in here. My wife brought me in another check. Hey, here's a check. Hey, here's a check. Hey, here's a check. I'm like, I'm like, praise God. Right. <laughs> and so, um, so that's, that's what I would encourage pastors to really, I, I think the wake up call for the pastor is for you guys to start realizing you've got to start equipping your people with not only spiritual understanding, but economic understanding. Yeah. I think most pastors have to have a, have a come to Jesus moment and they, and they're going to when you got 78 plus percent of your church living paycheck to paycheck now, if we, if you think this is over, I'm going to tell you, you, you still got a rough road to, to travel mm. uh, from an economic point of view. Cause some people they're given now, but what's going to happen when, when, when they have all these 78% of people in your church have a come to Jesus next month. And they realize, you know, they've been living on their credit cards. They've been buying food this these last few weeks on credit cards and surviving on credit cards. And now they're going to have a come to Jesus moment. And it's like people don't have any money in their pockets. Yeah. And it's, and it's going to take a while for them to these people to recover. And where's it? That's going to affect, that's going to affect in the offering. And, and the truth of the matter is that should not be happening. Yeah. That should not be happening. If we would have been doing our job to properly equip, the people in our church from an economic point of view, uh, we, we would have people that are not part of the 78%. The majority of our people would be in the other class of people, right? Yeah. Uh, that uh, just because they experienced a crisis, they have a financial fortress around their life that crisis can't affect them. Right. And, and that's, that's where we've, we've, we've failed. And, that's kind of brings us back to my mother-in-law's house. I realized, wow, I'm super spiritual, but I'm totally ignorant financially. And, and that's why, Pastor, I've created what's called God's Millionaire Movement. And, and what I did was I, 
I put together a whole pro teaching program from A to Z on how to become God's next millionaire. And, and now remember, uh, here's another powerful point. Poor, or, or middle class is the new poor, mm. all right? Millionaire status is the new middle class. Mm. So middle class is the new poor. See, we've, we've, the things have shifted and a lot of leaders don't even realize that. Middle class is the new poor. Millionaire status is the new middle class. Mm. So I have, I have millionaire friends. They, they have one, two, three million dollars in the bank and they still feel like they're poor. Okay. So, so it's, it's no longer, do I want to be a millionaire? Now today we have to be a millionaire. If in order for you to live any kind of nice retirement when you get older, you're going to have to learn principles, strategies to be able to move into middle class. And, and a lot of it deals with mindset. So I created a online training that deals, first of all, I, I talk about millionaire mindset first, second, millionaire habits, third, millionaire attraction. So I, when, once you get the mind right, you get the habits right, opportunities start coming to you. Yeah. Then the third, the fourth phase is millionaire status. Everybody wants millionaire status, but that's not where you start. You got to come back around. We got to deal with the belief systems. So I created an, an online portal called God's Millionaire Movement. We want to train up 1 million millionaires in the next decade. And, and that portal uh, is $29 per month. Mm -hmm. So I keep adding content to it. It's already loaded with, with the eight training programs on God's Next Millionaire Movement. And I got some other free gifts for confidence, for leadership, for wealth. And, um, and what I'm doing, I sent you a text just before I came here. I, mm -hmm. I, I told my guys, cause man, I love you, man. I, I love what you're doing. I love your spirit. I love the difference you make. And I, I told my team, I said, I want to, I want to offer that to uh, all your tribe for free. For yeah. free. That I'm see, I'm sowing. What am I do? Why, why am I doing this? I get to sow $30 a month into every one of your people who's in your tribe, I get to sow that seed into their life. What am I looking for? I'm looking for a harvest. I want a harvest. <laughs> I need a harvest, right? Mm -hmm. And so all they got to do is go to godsmillionairemovement.com. Yeah. Godsmillionairemovement.com. Fill in their email address. It's already all set up for them. Mm. We were working three o'clock in the morning last night to try to, to get this for you guys. Yeah. Great. And, uh, because they have to do, cause there was charges and my guys had to, uh, you know, us world changers, we call, pick up the phone and say, Hey, I, I feel led to do this. <laughs> and my team's like, are you serious? This is, this is like, I'm like, I'm like, yes, I'm serious. I want to bless this man of God. I want to bless everybody around him because I, I've told you this so many times. I believe that your voice needs to be heard on a, at a global scale. I believe God's going to use you and your ministry and your local church, uh, in, in a powerful way. So I, I want to be, I want to be uncle Keith. I want to be the guy that's sewing in and blessing into you. And, uh, and I just asked, so there's only one thing I ask you is that when I get really old, that you take me to good sushi. Okay. Just take me. <laughs> if I'm on my wheelchair and I'm walking in, just, just make sure you take good care of me. All right. Do a full circle and we'll make sure there's the extra hot, spicy mustard and you will get right yeah. up off of that walker and do a dance. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really appreciate your heart. And I think people are really getting that as you're sharing. And I'm glad you mentioned that resource because as I'm sitting here, uh, I'm, I'm sure people are hearing this and like, how can I learn more? How can this be my new normal in terms of mindset change? I'm giving them a taste of what it is to have a conversation with you, but there's so many more tools that you provide and it's there in that format that you want to share that knowledge. And of course, there's going to be a value you put to it because 
you know, there, there's value in the content. And if people value their growing and mindset being changed and the time that people put to invest into that, they're going to do that. So I think it's a great opportunity and a great deal. So thank you for that. And there was a reason, you know, I'm doing these interviews, real talk with real leaders. And, and I'm like, man, one of the things I want to have on here is I do have spiritual content, have leadership content, but we cannot uh, take away from what it looks like for the prosperity and the economics of the leader and mm. what that looks like. And so right. I thought about you and I'm like, man, this would be so rich no pun intended, but so <laughs> to have you come and just share your insight about finances. And we just got a teaser. Like I said, this is the last question. Okay. Um, what ready. are you seeing as your mandate from the Lord to do in this hour? You might've already mentioned it, but I just want to frame it like that so that people get an idea that even in times of crisis, there's things that happen inside of us that uh, become amplified. And say, yeah. even though I can do this, this, and Good this, here's yes. what I need to be doing because this is what the time calls for. What's that wow. for you? <laughs> well, you're 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 almost basically speaking prophetically to me. Because to be to be honest with you, I I don't I don't want to talk about becoming a millionaire. I don't want to talk about money. I don't want to. The last thing I wanted to do, my friend, is be labeled a prosperity preacher. Oh, man. Ugh. And, and, and because I was comfortable talking about confidence, I was comfortable talking about leadership. I spent my whole life doing this. And after my heart attack and after my crisis, God, and I see how prophetic it was. God was telling me, Keith, I've taught you things about money. I've taught you things about wealth. And, and, and my church needs to know about it. And, and I, he was tell, speaking to me a long time before I had my heart attack, but I was like resistant. Oh, I, oh, I, you know, I don't, you know, everybody loves you if you just talk nice messages, but when you start talking about money, now the demons come out, right? <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. And, and, but um, that is definitely, I believe what God is assigning me to do uh, because here's, here's the nugget. God said to me after my heart attack, he said, Keith, my church is not fulfilling its potential in the earth. It's not manifesting and doing what I want it to do because it lacks resources, because it lacks resources to manifest my destiny. My ultimate desire in the earth is being stopped because the church doesn't have money, doesn't have resources, buildings, lands you know, all resources that we need to make our dream manifest. And I said, wow. And he said, Keith, not only is my church not manifesting, it's my desire. My people, my people are not manifesting the dreams that I put inside their heart because they don't have the money. And I see the pain that they are experiencing. And, and I don't want my people to be in pain because they're in lack. Hmm. And he says, I need you to go teach my people how to think right about money and so they can get the resources to manifest what I want them to achieve in the earth. Wow. And I was like, all right, God. <laughs> so that's when I wrote Confidence for Living Wealthy. And, and, and I talk about there's a difference. I want everybody to be clear. There's a difference. I believe wealth is the higher calling. Being rich is a lower calling. Rich is about money. Wealth is about holistic wealth. So it, it's about being uh, spiritually, uh, mentally, physically, relationally, professionally, and financially at the top of your game in all six areas. So the dynamic is you could be spiritually on fire for God, but if you're, but if you're poor financially, you're not wealthy. Mm. At the same time, you can be super wealthy, but spiritually bankrupt. Mm. You can be spiritually bankrupt, financially wealthy, but you have five divorces. You can't hold on to relationships. So you're, you're, you have money in the bank, you love God, but you're still not wealthy. 
So true wealth, the word wealth means well, it means, it means well, may, may, may you do well. That's where wealth, wealth comes from, from the Latin. Yeah. And, it, and it's a holistic point of view. And God wants us to be wealthy. That's the higher calling. Now, part of that is being rich, right? You got it. You also got to be rich to be wealthy too. So that's, that's what I'm doing. That's my mandate. And um, I tell you, these last few weeks, to be honest with you, I've, I wrestled with God again. I'm like, God, please, please. Let this, and, but what you said, the, the problems of the world and my knowledge has intersected. Yeah. And I, I've, got to, I've got to do what God's called me to do. I've got, I've got to share these things. Yeah. And yeah, so... And, and it's amazing. You know what's amazing is I thought I would get attacked like crazy over this, but I haven't. It, it's a puzzling. And I, I think it's the spirit in which I'm delivering it. That's the only thing I can figure out because I talk about this stuff at, to, at churches and pastors come and tell me all the time. They say, they say, you know, nobody got mad at you. Nobody's upset. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. I talk about tithing. I talk about, you know, some of the stuff we talk about here. And I think it's the spirit of it. I think people can sense that they're tired of people talking about money with ulterior motives right. and, and manipulation and, and trying to manipulate talking about money to getting an offering. You know, I think right. people are tired of all that. And, and maybe that's why I'm more I'm being more accepted just by the spirit of humility that I'm coming from and uh, the real desire just, just, just to help others. Yeah, and I concur with that. I think there's definitely an anointing there, and it is for the purpose of helping others. And maybe they're usually when people express it um, or talk about money, it is for something that they will benefit from um, in the you know short term. But you're 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 thinking about that individual. And again, I thinking about the times that we're in. And you said something when you said that about the new um, middle class is the millionaire, immediately what, uh, what I got triggered by is how often we're hearing the words trillions and billions now, where that was a mm -hmm. little bit more rare. We have That's debts, right, trillions and billions. So yes, everything is kind of scaling up. And so mm -hmm. if we're trying to just get to that maybe comfort zone of the middle, where the middle is moving, <laughs> and yeah. moving up, to you know the millions and how the people of god should be in the forefront of all that and uh and yeah and we just can't afford to be in that place like you said in egypt living off of egypt and i think that, like the new promised land that we need to be taken to has to do with the territory in our mind like that's the promised land god wants to bring heaven on this earthen vessel bring heaven's mindset heaven's opinion heaven's wisdom on us so no matter what the place, this land has been redeemed. The promises are in this place. We understand it and we wow. act on it. And we're obedient to it. So, man, I just, again, appreciate you, man. appreciate Woo. a lot of these words. And, um, man, this is, this is stuff that I think people are going to go to that God uh, next millionaire. Is that what it is? God's next millionaire? Uh, God's millionaire movement.com. Good. Thank you for sharing that one more time. And we're encouraging you guys to go there because we need the people of God to be at the forefront of that. Thank you again, Dr. Keith, for this You're rich, <laughs> I keep doing that, for this rich, wealthy, <laughs> prosperous conversation um, that was yeah. appointed. And thank you for being obedient to the mandate that God has put on you because we know it comes with a burden, but with that burden comes the blessing and so many people can be set free. So appreciate you, man. You too, man.